0: Yes. Hello folks, welcome to the weekly Matches United show I'm your host as always, Phil Bryant And uh, join my regular co-host here The fantastic uh, Cam McFadden Cam of course, uh, he's been pro-mask for years He's been holding up bags and all sorts of post offices And what have you So no, no, no change for him How are you doing man?
1: I'm doing well, you're certainly right about the mask When you've got a face like this, you need a fucking mask 24-7 Oh I mean, I yeah
0: man, <laughs> <laughs> I know it. it? Sounds like uh, you brush your teeth or pedigree, on thanks, um, things anyway uh, all good
1: things are good I um, have to be honest with you um, in terms of the football as we talked about in the last show it's good to have the football back but there's nothing like mm-hmm. a Manchester United reality check <laughs> an opening day of the season uh, I mean yeah
0: <laughs> the, there's certain games I utterly detest losing and one of them is the opening day of the season because you go into it with so much optimism and then it immediately gets deflated and I know people point back towards the last time they did it against 3-1 the Villa, how things were different. Um, we will obviously talk a little bit about United's you know, result last week, uh, the result against Luton. Uh, I didn't see the game, so um, nonetheless, it's never stopped me talking shit before when I have seen the game, so uh, it doesn't really make much of a difference. But 3-0, right? And, uh, you know, I have to say, it was a good result, you know, at the weekend I was envious of the Chilean Miners. I thought there wouldn't be a bad stint, 45, 60 days on the ground. Wouldn't have been a bad stint that uh, ended up sniffing 99p toys by the end of an eight minute to get myself free. Um, we'll talk, there's so much to talk about. We'll talk about, um, obviously, this debacle of the transfer window and <clears throat> where we're at. Uh, some of the other things that are making news, United you know, are going to publish the financials next month, which is going to be really, really interesting. Swiss Rumble Ramble done a fantastic article uh, pointing out just how much Manchester United to stand to lose. Calman, I cannot see fans being back in stadiums before the end of the summer, before the end of the season. I Don't see it happening, especially with this, this rebound and what have you. Don't see it happening. So, um, Which, you know, if... We didn't have a glazer ownership count. And you know, I would understand, you know, saying, listen, we stand to lose 120 of million plus. That's the Jaden Sancho fee right there, right? Um, we just can't go out and do business as usual, right? Which um, I would have some empathy for that. But the thing is, and we've done this with ad nauseum, the, the real, the biggest impediment he needed running themselves as a proper football club slash business is this disgraceful ownership that really should be illegal. Um, I want to talk about United's performance last week because it looked like a team that was playing their first preseason friendly, where they were off the mark. They were they they, they were poor. First touch was poor. The, the tempo was poor. But then City go out against Wolves and have no excuses, right? Um, and one of the things, Callum, is you didn't finish the season. The most consistent team in the league, right and you have all this positive momentum that gets completely destroyed over the summer. United once again show they just can't build on anything right they get something and instead of building on it, they top all the wall over again right so we had something we had something positive we had momentum going um and then it was about united as a football club not just to its fans but to its players. Shown that they're serious about challenging Liverpool, that they're serious about challenging Man City. The fact is that we needed to spend more than them, yet they both have spent more than United. Now, I know everything doesn't come down to transfers, Calm, but it is an obvious reflection of the club's ambition or lack thereof, and the fact that Sutsker has been let down. You can talk about whether he's the right guy or not, um, and I wouldn't make it this, wouldn't come to that conclusion based on what we saw at the weekend, which is just really yeah. absurd. but... It's a whole other separate issue about not supporting a manager that deserves to be supported.
1: I completely agree. We, we've spoken about it many times that United need to, to support Solskjaer. I mean, one of our, our previous guests, Graham Sunnis, always, always says you need to buy when you're strong. And for United finishing third last season, really, when you look at it on paper from where they were um, in January time, was, was the best possible position. City and Liverpool were, were, were a fair bit clear, as were Leicester mm-hmm. at the time, and, and United pulled them back. So, as Graeme as always says, I think you do need to buy when you're strong. I think it's obvious. I mean, the right-hand side of midfield is a position. United have needed to strengthen for, for a few years. Um, there's been There's been so many links. I mean, Sancho, as we know, has turned into a saga that I think... Even the player himself <laughs> is, must be getting fed up with now. Um, left back's is another position that comes up quite a lot, as does the centre-back situation. And When you look at the the, the two centre-backs um, in Maguire and Lindelof, I mean, we've been saying it on this show for a long time, uh, that Maguire needs someone with pace alongside him. Um, for me, Lindelof can be soft. He can be got at. And, I mean, that, that was shown in his very first season at the club when United went away to Huddersfield and he was he was bullied um, on a, on a, a route one ball and, and United end up ultimately conceding. Um, and for me, as I say, Lindelof should not be your starting centre-back. I thought Gary Neville's analysis on Sky over here in the UK was superb when he said that, sign Jaden Sancho, sign Van de Beek, but with those two guys at the back, you will not win a league title. They're just not good enough over the course of a season. I would agree with that. Um, what does frustrate me and will probably frustrate Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as well is that United putting out there that they feel they've spent more than any other major club in terms of net spend in the last three windows and that that's double the £87 million average of the other super clubs. And, and again, you, you've had that information given to you, um, as as have many others. And and I think with that information, I mean, yeah, we've spoken about this many times, Phil, you can manipulate figures to, to suit yourself one way or another. understand United want to be defensive towards some of the business in the transfer market. Um, I can understand at times the argument that you don't want your pants pulled down in the transfer market year upon year. But what I would say is you're always going to get your pants pulled down in the transfer market if you go about things the way United do and make everything slow. You make everything monotonous. I mean, you look at Maguire's situation, £80 million they wanted, there was that refusal to pay it, then you end up paying it. Sancho, if he ultimately comes to United, which I'll be honest with you, personally, I don't think he will anymore. Um, that's just my opinion. This season anyway, I don't think he will. Um, even if that gets done, Dortmund have already said and, and put in the press in recent days that they've been used by United's approach as is the player. They set out a deadline of um, August the 1st, which they then moved to August the 10th. And... Um, August the 10th, funnily enough, happens to be Roy Keane's birthday. I can only imagine what his, his view on that would be. Um, but I just think, again, Dortmund's position was clear. We've set a deadline. Um, we want this fee. Yes, we would budge in the deadline if you pay the fee. But United have never really looked as if they're going to get close to paying the fee. They've talked about agents, they've talked about wages rather than the fee itself. And ultimately, I don't think he will come in. And it will just be very interesting to see what happens because when you've got players like Luke Shaw, Um, and your first team going on the record after a game to say I think we're a few players short I think that not only puts pressure on the board but in a sense kind of puts pressure on the manager because if Luke Shaw's saying that in the record I don't imagine he's the only player in that dressing room that's thinking yeah I think we need a couple more players Oh you're on mute mate
0: I'm sorry, i some people would say I would rather uh, be, be uh elegant on mute, um, but uh, there's so many things to unravel, mate. Um, first of all, um, let's look at all the moving parts in this. You know, Soulscale has talked about, um, he's been quite vocal about what wanting new sentence, for example, you go back to uh. He says, uh, it's not really about 11, this was at the end of the season, it's not really about, uh, this was in August, actually, sorry, Uh, it's not really about 11, 12, or 13 players. You have to have 19, 20, 21, uh, 22 that you rely on because if you play every three days a full year, it's going to be mentally and physically difficult. He needs the squad to improve. Um, He also said, it's a race. You can see teams building. We're always looking at the squad and player logistics. It is definitely about quality and it's going to cost money to get players in who are better than the ones we already have, he went on to say. The club knows what I feel we need, but that's up to the club to go and sort that out. He then finished up, finished up and said, "Uh." We definitely need to improve in the market if we want to go further. The table. I don't know what else Solskjaer can say to appease people who think he's a glazer apologist uh, and doesn't put pressure on the club to send players. Like he really couldn't say any more than what he said. So he's been quite vocal about United's needs, um, about the fact that they need to strengthen. Uh, if he's put in a position in two weeks' time where he's made to say, I'm happy with the score, which he quite clearly isn't, um, you know, then once again, United would have to concede. They've completely let them down. And this, my friend, is where we talk about the numbers and United in comparison to the European rivals and all this, right? First and foremost, net spend is a rush, right? But it, it, there's so many move, moving parts. There's so many variables, the add-ons, right? So let's say United, said, we've covered this in shows before, so I won't go too much into it, but let's say Lukaku, right? 70 million with potential add-ons rising to 19 right well united will never say they got ninety million for lukaku even if they did right so um if the add-ons are met, united will not you know that that's not going to get included plus there's lots of other variables such as uh, currency fluctuation such as uh you know high Deals are paid. You know, are they paid up front are they paid over the court? Are you borrowing? Are you financing the cost of financing? There's so many things that goes into it, Callum, right? Um, and then when you're selling a player, you supplementing wages to get to get them off the book. If you are, then that doesn't did not changes. You know, there's so many different things that goes into. It. So not not spend is 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 not a great way of determining how you spend, but. We talked about United towards the end of the season. They finished in the top four, they finished third. They're not a third place team. I don't think you can ask any more of Schultzker to finish finishing third. You've got all this positive momentum. And then once again, the football club has been let down by idiots who don't know what they're doing. Now, when Schultzker is putting out poor teams, United are losing, he gets it in the neck from fans, right? His family does. That comes with the territory of a high-profile job. When you're looking at young players to play for Manchester United, one of the first things you're looking at is, does he have the temperament to deal with the pressure that's going to be put on his shoulders, with constant media exposure? right? This truth must also be asked of the executives at Manchester United. Okay, I empathize slightly because I don't, no matter how much I, I dislike the job somebody's doing, I don't take any comfort in watching somebody get verbally abused I don't right or any type of abuse whatsoever I'd rather the job just be done right um, but at the same time they're highly compensated in a high-profile job that they choose to do and they get it wrong every year and yet other people can pay for this for their jobs with their jobs these people never have any consequence for not doing their job right that's totally unfair and again you know the fans lots of other fans will premium Schultzger if you need it Flop this year, and I'm not saying he's blameless, he isn't, but come on, what's it going to take before people avert their gaze away from the manager and say, look, you have to take responsibility here, because this shit will never change if United fans don't make a change, right? there will be the same mistakes, repetitive mistakes, you sack Solskjaer for what, for who, right? I mean, come on. So, you know, whether is the right guy or not, I don't know. But when you've got someone like Luke Shaw, Callum, right? And I give Luke Shaw all the credit in the world for this. Coming out and saying, we need to send new players. When you've got someone like Luke Shaw saying it, when you've got Solskjaer saying it, when you've got Gary Napples saying it, when you've got Patrice Aversa saying it, when you've got Rio Ferdinand, who, by the way, we'll talk about because he was being more than a, a char- he, he was being more than loose with the truth, shall we say. We'll talk about that story in a minute. But um, when you've got all these people saying this, you need to can't turn around and say it's just some historical fans on Twitter. It's not. And this is very concerning to them from, the, for, from a sponsorship point of view, that when you've got big people with big voices coming out and slaughtering a football club over them not recruiting properly, it's very hard to turn around and say, "Ah, oh, it's just some historical fans.
1: Absolutely, and, and and you you mentioned Sol Shire and the fact that that he's he's really he's really if you want me to put it in in, in Layman's terms, he's turning up to a gunfight with Spudion um, at the moment. Um, his hands are behind, tied behind his back. Not a um,
0: volunteer, boy. Can you, right, keep that thing <laughs> up in Scotland, boy? Hell, oh, Jesus, unbelievable! I told you we're masks in the ring, holding a post office. Go ahead, uh.
1: <laughs> So I think he's, he's turning up um, to. Oh to a battle and he's not got the tools that he needs but what I would say as well is you just think of the waste that United have I mean Phil Jones 18 months in since he signed that new deal he's played 16 games for the club he's made 8 Premier League starts and that works out at a game a month so essentially 320 grand a game for Phil Jones I mean it's not his fault that he's injured we've said that multiple times in the show but, but it is someone's fault that he gets a five year deal when you know he's an injury prone centre back whose best days are probably behind him because when you have consistent um, injury problems you're not going to return to be the same player That that's that's shown in football um, the other thing that frustrates me is, is 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 the lack of urgency when it comes to business there's always these links they disappear they come back they go away you look at Tellez the rumour is they're looking for £25 million Um I've spoken to Aaron Barton, who covers Portuguese football regularly. He's a big fan of Teles, and he was explaining to me that Teles is is is, is really good at going forward, as his stats show: eleven assists, uh, sorry, eleven goals, eight assists last season. Now, the argument, of course, will be when you come to the Premier League, it's going to be a step up. But compare that to Shaw and Williams; they they are not up anywhere near him in terms of assists and goals. Again, you can argue they're playing at a higher level, which is which is undisputed. But at the same time. When you're looking at a player who clearly has quality, like Teles does, um, coming in for a fee of around £25 million bio reports, then then really, you're, you're, for me, you'd be looking to get that deal done. And, and credit to Shaw, as you've said, Phil, because at the end of the day, it can't be easy when you hear that yeah. there's players linked coming in in your position and you're willing to, to sort of encourage that because at the end of the day, that shows you a guy who clearly understands football and knows what's going on. In regards to the weekend, we talked about Palace The centre-backs were poor. Um, United, you could say, were unlucky with the penalty situation. But at the end of the day, you you want to see them recover from that. And in regards to the Luton game, um, just just to to cover that briefly, um, I thought that United at times in the first half were were a bit flat. Um, Second half, when the substitutes were made, improved. Greenwood, I thought, was very impressive. And and he was only on the pitch for around 10 minutes. I hope he can, can get back into that starting lineup because... No disrespect to Daniel James, but he, he's not—he's not natural on the right-hand side of midfield. I think he prefers playing on the left. Uh, his performances uh, have shown that for me, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Leeds United have been linked with him permanently or on loan. He's a player who, ideally, I think you could do good. Could, could um, do a loan spell, but United just don't have the squad depth to allow that at the moment, which, which is sad. Um, and in regards to. To to really going forward, I hope that things can get done in a in in a, in a manner that's efficient. I mean, you look at Van der Beek, but I think a lot of people are forgetting that Van der Sar really helped United an awful lot in that situation, and the fact that he's got a good relationship with the club and the deal could be done smoothly, honouring a promise to to Van der Beek that he could leave. And you mentioned we'd come back to. That. I'm going to hand over to you for for the Rio Ferdinand situation in a sec. Yeah. I thought Patrice Evra was brave for what he said. Um, I think he, he mentioned the fact that um, Matt Judge, obviously someone at a club was trying to get a hold of Judge and phoned Everett to say he's not answering his phone, which mm. I don't think the United hierarchy were happy with him saying that in the public. But he said it now, so we can discuss what we think about that. Everett, Neville, these sort of personalities and characters, um, as you say, coming out and, and, and saying there's a real need for urgency and efficiency is key. Ferdinand, it's it's positive that he's come out and said that, but as you have said, I think at times he he he's using this as as a way to to sort of massage his own ego in regards to things that happened when, when he was at the club.
0: Well, look, first of all, there's a couple of things, mate. Um, the Matt judge thing and all this is which is just truly absurd. Um, but just to give you an, an illustration of the utter ineptitude that a first a football club, that's a vicious circle, vicious circle of ineptitude. So United and I. One of the things we're saying to Schultz is, well, one of the problems of bringing in the centre back is we have too many and we need to move some of the players out that we have. The problem is you can't move players out that we have because they are on too much wages that you put them on and reward them for absolutely nothing. And there's very few clubs that can afford to pay that. And the ones that can, if you're sitting there, Phil Jones on 80 grand a week, right? And you go to your sporting director, right? Not Joe Glazer. He's got a picture of it on his wall of George Bush and he thinks it's George Best, I'm sure of it. All right? So you go to your, your sporting director and you say, Bush, tell you what. Um, we could saying Phil Jones, right? Or we could say Dale up a McConnell on the same wages. What do you reckon? All right? Now if the answer is Phil Jones, right? Matt, that individual should not be on a job. But yet somebody at Manchester United decided that it made more sense to give Phil Jones 80 grand a week than to let him leave and bring in a replacement. What's the thinking behind that, Matt? So if you look at all the logical sides of this and think, why would somebody give Phil Jones 80 grand a week? And to me, the only answer I can come up with is because you don't want to spend money to bring in the replacement. That's the only reason why. So it's easier to turn in and give Phil Jones an extended contract than it is to let him go and send a replacement, right? Now, when you're also picking the players, you choose, you know, Andre Herrera, right? So Andre Herrera was allowed to leave. What happened? No replacement was sent, right? Fellaini was allowed to leave for on the cheap. No replacement sent, right? Matteo Dormian allowed to leave on the cheap. You know, uh, and so a lot of these players that leave on the cheap don't get replaced because they don't generate enough money to fund a move. And United always have problematic possessions in other parts of the field. So the, you have this problem of trying to get rid of players that you can't get rid of because you put them beyond the reach of so many other clubs. That's an aptitude man, right? And I'm looking at United's you know, recruitment team and I'm saying to myself, which one of them does their jobs well, right? Who out of this, these executives do their job well? Maybe they do their jobs really well, but by a measure that's not obvious to me and you, certainly not through a football lens. You know, when was the last time we saw beat me? Okay, you could argue Von der Beek was was a shrewd move. I would have to give him credit for that. It was done at a good price, good time. If they'd have had another two sentences done, perfect, I think. Found the big. Oh, it, I can't criticise him on that date. But prior to that, I was critical of United in the window. relaxed my criticism, and now I'm back full double barrels because it's like, look, why are we still in this situation? Why is Patrice Avra coming out and saying Matt Judge? Head of recruitment, if you got something better to do right now than answer your phone with regards to bringing in football players to a football club that badly need it, you know, would you see this happen where Solskjaer is in charge of recruitment for the executive side and not answering his phone? It's ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. And every year you netted to deal with some bullshit in aptitude that doesn't happen in other clubs. You are know, damn lucky they're a brand. Imagine them actually out of another football club where they couldn't rely on the size of this football club and other people's accomplishments to, to make money. You are know, trading off Ferguson's accomplishments, Matt Busby's accomplishments. Not doing anything in the last seven years. You leave it to these clowns. All right. Put your medals on the table. What have you done for Manchester United other than take this club backwards? Things that weren't a consideration seven years ago about struggling to qualify for the Champions League. Unthinkable. Now is our reality. A football club that was the envy of the football world and the money it generates. Now it has to be parsimonious. This is ridiculous. A football club, one of the biggest in the world, send send one fucking player. One. Hi. How can you turn around at the start of this window and say, with two weeks to go, we're going to have one player sent and one player out? That is an absolute disgrace, Colin. A disgrace. And it is, I don't care if you've got Benny Hill as a manager or you've got Pep Guardiola. That's letting the manager down, right? That is turning around to a manager and saying, "Sending football players for this football club is not a major priority for us. Certainly not above other things."
1: Well, the thing is, well, Phil, when it comes to that, um, you just you just really have to just look across, and I hate to say it, you look at City. You look at Liverpool. I mean, Liverpool won the league. They're, they're miles ahead of United in terms of points last season, and the strength and beside beside one of the best midfielders in the world, the same more Just depth.
0: On the Liverpool thing, mate, I'm trying to interrupt you. United you can't turn around and use the excuse that they use with City and Chelsea about these massive owners, you know, <laughs> funding it. You know, there's no, there's no excuse. United are bigger commercially than Liverpool, and bigger than every every other way. But, of course, Liverpool don't have massive debt repayments payments and all this to pay back. Well, certainly not the level of United. But sorry, I may mean, I carry on?
1: No, exactly. And I think that's a, that's a fair point you make there because Liverpool win the league. And again, as, as soon as it always says, bye when you're strong, they've delivered one of the best um, midfielders in the world. And they've also delivered a, a forward-thinking player in Jota who I think will be, be very good as a squad-based option. You look at United, Van de Beek's a good signing. <laughs> Ironically, he comes in... To, to a midfield where you've got two two creative players in Paul and Fernandes. I don't dispute that having more depth and having three is good, but there are other areas that need strengthened. City as well, they're talking about them making a centre-back a priority before the deadline. And you think, that's Man City who've already signed Aki making a centre-half a priority before deadline. Where's United centre-half? There's been talks. Mm-hmm. David Ornstein came out on Monday and said, United don't see a centre-half as a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I'm only judging that based on the information he's put out there. If that's the case, I'm deeply concerned because mm-hmm. you're not you're not going to make great progress with Lindelof and Maguire at the back. Mm-hmm. Throw into the mix, you might not get another left back, um, mm-hmm. and you've got Shaw who can be susceptible to injuries. You've got Williams who I really like, but you can't expect him to 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 be leading United forward in the sense that he's a, he's a young player. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to have off games, and and I just think to myself. What on earth is is going on in terms of that recruitment? It's amateur. Uh, it's embarrassing. You, you talk about Judge not answering his phone. Um, the fact you've got former players who have got massive platforms coming out and having to say that about the football club is awful. Um, you talk about trading off past successes. And I, I have to be honest with you, and, and some people might not like me saying it, I, I'm fed up. And press releases from United, when they sign a new player saying, we're joining the biggest club in the world. Now, I'm not disputing United's popularity, but don't ram down the biggest club in the world when you've not challenged for a league title in seven years. Don't ram it down when your ambitions from the outside looking in appear to be accepting top four, becoming Arsenal, a club that's been mocked by United fans, even myself for many years. Mm. Don't ram down my throat, biggest club in the world, but great reaching social media. But don't talk about signings in social media because that really annoys us now. Don't ram that down Mm -hmm. my throat because at the end of the day, the biggest football club in the world would be a football club, first and foremost. It wouldn't be a commercial operation that sources noodle partners and pillow partners and and, 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 um, flight partners. All of those things have their place. Commercially, you have to be on the ball. But Manchester United is a football club. It's not solely a commercial operation. And I'm afraid that if the, if, the, if the people involved at the top don't wake up and smell the coffee before this deadline and address what the manager has asked for, the club will stagnate and we'll be back into the, the, the Woodward era and the cycle. Back the manager in their first window. Second season, don't back them. Third season, sack them. Get a new manager and then back them first window. Don't back them, sack them. And you're in that constant cycle of doom and gloom, having peaks and troughs of optimism, and in reality, a club that's going no further forward than the football side. The fact that you look at a team like Liverpool, and I hate to mention them again, they can sell players like Harry Wilson for £15 million. They're about to sell young Brewster for £25 million with a buyback. United can't sell anyone. I mean, you look at Sanchez, he basically leaves the club in a free transfer. You look at um, Lukaku, obviously, someone who was in demand, but you look at other players and you think, how on earth can you not find a market for these players? And I suppose, as we've said, one of the reasons is the wages. But, but part of that is because you've not got anyone in the football side who can approach another club, approach another sporting director and, and make a deal feasible. Because some of the players Liverpool have sold in recent years. I mean, Dominic Solanke, I think, had scored one Premier League goal and they get 20 million quid for him. Mm-hmm. Well, United, United wouldn't sell a player in that position because he wouldn't be able to.
0: Well, here's the thing, mate, a couple of things, right? So we hear Dortmund bemused at United's approach. And that's been consistent with a number of people I've spoken to in Germany, that they've also it's funny, whenever people come across United for the first time, uh, if you don't have an interest in a player and a particular selling club, this is the first time their fans and people connect to the football club have dealt with United. It usually ends up with them being completely confused and bemused about it. but what what is the strategy here? What is United doing? You know, this is extremely odd for the fans, you know, we unfortunately um, you know, have been down this road so, so many times and it's not new for us. But then you see these nonsensical things, come that uh, illustrate just how little these people understand about running a top football club. One of them being resale value. So I know there's going to be people out there listening to this that are going to record at this because they're going to think it's really, really, really important that you need to focus on resale value. And these are usually people that play video games, right? Um, and, and, and i love to football manager and young players whenever I actually had time to play it. Um, you know, uh, but, uh, before I had, before I had ki- more kids than Bernardos, man, I, uh, <clears throat> I, I had some time to play video games and, uh, I, uh, I loved all that, buying young players developing them, selling them. But even if you live in a world of football cliches where you don't really understand the game subtly, just spread stuff, the one thing you understand is that young players are not finished articles. So you get them at a price that takes that into consideration. So if you go out and buy an upper McConnell for 40 million, say, right, there's a reason why he's not 90 or hundred million Because he hasn't proven that next step yet. Right? And in order for a player to get there, they have to keep making mistakes, and then eventually, after a year or two, hopefully, if they continue to develop, they realize their potential. But in between times, you give away bad goals. Just remember when David De Gea came, all right? How long did it take the Gea before it became comfortable in it, right? So when you buy young players, they usually have a transition period of development, but. For a young player to be successful, a couple of things have to be prevalent. These are not, this is not an exact science, but these are all uh, things that are very, very important. First of all, they have to come into a football club that has a very positive atmosphere, that is is conducive to, to, to individual development, be it technically or be it psychologically, right? You've got people around you that are leaders that can show you things that you can learn from. The class of 93, really, really important. that They came in, class so it's class 92. When they came in um, and they had Cantona, they had all these amazing players to learn from. Sorry, I can't believe I just got that wrong. But anyway, they, the class of 82 came in and they had all these experienced figureheads to learn from, right? So it was a good balance between youth and experience, right? So, um, so when you bring in young players, I, mean, I remember Carlos Kira was talking about this at Real Madrid. Zidane and Pavons, right? And he was saying, yeah, but the Pavons have to be the best Pavons in the world, All right? So when you're bringing in young players, fix it on resale value. Here are some of the things you have to accept. The player you just bought needs to make a lot of mistakes before he reaches the very highest level. Those mistakes are going to be made in games that will probably cost you points, okay? So... Then all things going well. If all the other variables are right, it's a good football club. They're surrounded by all their quality. Uh, there's other top players there. The coaching's exceptional. Uh, the, 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 stru- the pressure isn't immense. But at somewhere like United, you don't get these things. You don't get the room to develop. You don't get to make the mistakes like you would at Southampton or you would at other football clubs, and then you move on to your top club. You are under immense scrutiny right away, which is why so many of these young players don't make it. So you're taking these young players, throwing them into the biggest football club in the world, and then saying, now go perform like a finished article, son. Right? Because when you make mistakes, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be told you're shit. You're going to be told you're over the hell. You're going to be told you're overrated. You're going to get idiots turn around and make comparisons to Kevin De Bruyne and say that whatever. Right? Because someone didn't play well one day, therefore, they're completely overrated. This nonsense, right? These people that are so shallow, you can't look past the last 19 minutes for any depth. Right? So you get these young players. This is part of why, and I'm sorry to make this a long-winded answer, but part of why I do somewhat defend United stance on Jaden Sancho and demand that there was add-ons put in there, because Jaden Sancho is not the finished article football player, man. right? And, and he may never be that. Um, so you needed a rate right not to want to play the uh, finished article price but so what happens when these players reach peak peak let's say they all develop do we sell them I mean that's the only reason why resale value is relevant if you plan on selling them right so they develop reach the top level you sell them and, and start the process over again is this Ajax no disrespect to Ajax magnificent football club you know four time European cup winner right but They've limited revenue stream. To think you get 3.2 million euro for winning they to the visit. So why are United and saying that even as far down as the players, it's all about develop and sell, develop, sell, develop, sell. See, that's a fixation on profits. When the fixation should be on trophies and then make money, right? We're not sending a 28-year-old footballer because of resale value. This is bullshit. This is insanity. This is ridiculous. Can you imagine if Real Madrid had this attitude towards Zidane when he left Juventus? I mean, this is outrageous. Uh, myopia and, and, and this obsession with profit. Tell you Fico, if you can't get Talos, go get Talia Fico at Ajax tell, us. tell Perfect United. Perfect age. 27, 28. Perfect. 27, 28, you're still a young man you get five, let's say you get six years out of them. Total of 34. Magnificent. I so agree. Again, I think. That- so, sorry i just finished the recruitment once again is fixated even on selling, not buying. So I'm glad.
1: No, I totally totally agree. It needs to be fixated on, on on progress in the here and now and over the next two or three years. One of the things that frustrates me with a lot of football clubs, and I understand as you as you've said, when it comes to football manager signing the next big thing and saying right, in five years time he's going to be this, that, and the next thing. United are seven years without a league title. If you're thinking about someone that's going to be good in five years' time, that's twelve years. Mm-hmm. Liverpool get mocked for, for for going thirty. I'm not obviously twelve's not compa- not thirty, but twelve's a long time. You can't put four and five year plans on the table in modern football anymore and expect to be relevant. And I know that goes against lots of my beliefs. My beliefs are backing your managers, giving your managers time, but we live in an ever-changing, ever-revolving world. It doesn't mean that you become reactionary as, as you've said and judge a player solely in the last 90 minutes because that is insanity. But at the same time, I think having a grand master plan of planning three or four years in advance at the, the, the top level, is very bold because you get left behind. I mean, we've seen this with so many clubs. Look at Barcelona as well in the current situation. They're a club who mm-hmm. had all the crown jewels, all the trophies coming in. Their sustainability um, in terms of a long-term plan wasn't there and you look at them now they're going backwards and they're going backwards fast and now they're urgently trying to work in the background to try and catch up and they're finding themselves in a a, a position like United where behind the scenes the football department is not operating as it should and that's shown in the park any football club that doesn't have a strong football department behind the scenes rarely goes out and becomes a massive success in the world of football you need to have a clear plan it needs to be executed in an efficient manner And you need the players on the pitch to perform. Liverpool, again, I hate mentioning them, but they are a prime example at the moment when you look at Michael Edwards behind the scene, bringing the players in in an efficient way, in a cost-effective way in many regards. And then on the pitch, you reap the benefits because you've got a coach who understands his place within the footballing department and Mm -hmm. he's able to intertwine with the sporting Mm -hmm. uh, element of the sporting director. When you look at United, it, we've said this for many years. We're repeating ourselves because it never seems to change. The sporting directors, the recruitment side, is detached. It appears from the football inside when it comes to the head coach, because the manager clearly said, clearly said that he wanted three players in the summer. The season has started and he has one. This is the same manager last season who said, if Lukaku goes, I'll have a replacement. He then gets a Gallo on loan in January. That's not what he was on about when he was asking for a replacement. I don't think anyway, I could be wrong, but I certainly don't think he was expecting a player from the Chinese Super League on loan three months after a player who was one of the top scorers of the club leaves. So until that 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 void is, 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 is broken and that you can intertwine the footballing side and the recruitment side, you're going to see these struggles, you're going to see these sagas, you're going to see top four being heralded as a trophy. And I repeat what I've said in this show many times, and I am a broken record with this. There is no point of being in the Champions League if you're a club like Manchester United Mm -hmm. if you don't have the intention of trying to win the tournament. Getting there is not enough. United are not FC Baal. United are not um, Ludigretz. Getting to the group stages is not United's ambition. You need to get to the knockout stage and you need to make a dent in it. Because it's not... As I say, you cannot keep putting out and spinning out biggest football club in the world, best football club in the world and not compete for the top honours because I'm sorry, you get left behind and you, you see this with with some of the generations. Um, I work with with young people here in Scotland and you'll hear going, Oh, I'm a Man City fan. I've always grown up a Man City fan. Now these these kids are 13, 14 and, and that just hits me. And I go, wow, that's just how quickly things can change, that they don't see United as a successful footballer entity, and that needs to change in fast, because as I've said, you get left behind. Look at Arsenal.
0: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, uh, one thing I may disagree with you on is about uh, FC balls uh, and uh, fuller regrets. I think um, we uh, certainly have plenty of those with United at the moment. Could you at least laugh at my cracking jokes, mate? I've been waiting to have that one for ages. I'm gonna that nobody appreciates it, honest to Christ. Oh, uh, I feel like Thomas Mueller up here. Oh, Levin Goldsky. Oh man, you have to admit, that's been the best moment of this entire summer. I, get, I, I swear to God, I must have watched that a thousand times, and each time just laughed my balls off. Levin Golski. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, a sort of feel good factor really that United. That Oh, was absolutely class absolutely class now listen um, we were hoping you know for uh, improved recruitment and we were once again let down I mean, well, here's the things that, that, are, that are mostly concerning the pressure you need it must be feeling internally must be immense right to have Big knees, big voices coming out and criticizing the football club. It's very difficult for him to write that off as, as historical fans. And then you see people like even Andy Mitten, right? And Andy Mitten <clears throat> is afforded exceptional access at Manchester United, right? United really like Andy a lot, right? Um, they, they have huge respect for Andy. And um, <clears throat> so, and it's only natural, I don't care who you are, right? If you have a personal relationship with someone, it makes it harder to be much more cynical and critical. It just does, right? You you have it, that's human nature. Now, all journalists um, are, 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 are all journalists are human beings, so they're all somewhat vulnerable to this. So I'm sure Andy finds it difficult to write articles that are critical of United in some ways because he knows a lot of people behind the scenes that. Um, that he doesn't want to criticize. I totally understand that. You know, I I know people at United and I don't like I, I imagine what it must be like for them to read it. And it's never my intention to hurt their feelings or hurt them personally because I don't like that. But at the same time, you have to write your articles based on what you think is true. Um I just try to make sure I don't get personal. You know, so Andy, even someone like Andy is coming out And being critical, right? Now, for someone like Andy to turn, you know, to be fair, Andy's an exceptional journalist, whatever you think of him, he's an exceptional journalist. And he's very, he chooses his words very carefully. He's not hysterical, he's not someone that gets caught up in the moment. He's, because he is exceptionally well informed. So, because he's so well informed, uh, his his experience and professionalism as a journalist um, and understanding what's going on, you usually get a very measured response on Monday, right? And some people get upset at him for that because they think, oh, he should be saying this, or he should be saying that. Listen, understand that it's totally different, right? When you, the better informed you get, I mean, even even some of my views, Calum have changed over the last couple of months because I've become better informed on certain situations. You know, Um, but I've also criticized it at this point by saying this is what it's going to take for other people to amend their views. So there should be more communication rather than hiding this information, not hiding it, but not being upfront with it. So, um, but the fact is that you're getting people like Andy and others um, who haven't not criticized, they've just stayed silent and they're not coming out. And I think that the, the, the pressure must be immense. So if they don't do anything, To me, it's a very, very clear indication that the money isn't there. Because they're going to want to change that narrative. And when you're sitting there, Callum, hearing Matt Judge reacting to Crystal Palace, see, that infuriates me because, again, illustrates there's no depth to anything. It's all knee-jerk. It's all reactionary. It's like, oh, shit, we lost. Go out and buy some players. Do you know what I mean? That's frustrating for me. So... Um just to, to, to we've got about another five minutes left here. Um but a couple of things that I want to say is um first of all with the signings, I put out a tweet earlier saying uh I'll let's jump in here minute, that uh yeah, it looked like they're making progress on a second signing. That is not us Um from what I understand with us the last time I asked was there was firm interest there, um, but no deal had been done. This is a right winger, um, so and it's not Jaden Sancho. So it um, looks like an editor making moves on a right winger.
1: I think that's a step in the, in the right direction a right winger coming into the club. Um, you referenced the fact that it's not Jaden Sancho. I think with the saga going on this this long, um, to be honest with you, do you see United or did you really realistically see United paying over £100 million with less than than, than two weeks to go? If I'm honest, probably not. But, but to also say in your point there, the best football clubs are proactive and not reactive. And when it comes to United, as you've said, it's, it's, it's reactive, reacting to this, reacting to that, rather than finishing the season and proactively thinking how do we go out to improve? Right winger, positive for me. Um, if it's Marland Sar, I want the, the lottery numbers next week um, <laughs> And in terms of the left-back situation With interest in, in, in Tellez um, I hope that deal can be done I think as you've said and, and alluded to He's a good age He's a, a player who will be um, playing at his peak Which I think is, is always a bonus For a team like United Who are looking to to make steps forward And, and catch up with we, other we rivals I think signing a player at their peak Can, can never be, be, be underestimated Because at the end of the day I think sometimes it is good to sign a player at maybe 22, 23 who's got a lot of potential and can further improve, but there is something to be said um, for going into the market and getting exactly what you need for the here and now as well. And I think that's what Telly as well will touch would deliver if, if he arrives at United. Looking ahead to Brighton, um, I have to be honest with you, I think Brighton are a team under Graham Potter who are a good side. I think their recruitment's been quite good over the last couple of years. Again, they've got a technical director and Dan Ashworth who ties in with football inside. side, so surprise, surprise. Their recruitment's pretty good. Um, despite the fact that they are a, a team who have got Connolly and Mope up front, two players with, with pace who I think will trouble United's back to. I think United will win this game. I think so. shy and the players will know that they, all eyes are on them, all pressures on them. <laughs> there, there was bad memories of obviously going there under Mourinho and, and getting getting beaten and, and sort of stuffed in the first fifteen minutes or so. But obviously towards the, the tail end of last season, after the lockdown, United were absolutely sensational in the counter with Fernandez's yep. goal there. And I hope we can see a similar performance to that rather than <laughs> the new one with, with Baye um, having a, a few mares. So for me, United will win this game. United will bounce back. But don't underestimate Brighton and the pace that they've got in Wolpe and Connolly because Graham Potter's not a, a daft coach. he's He's been around the block. He's earned his way up to the Premier League. Um, and really for me, I think United will, will concede. Um, and it will be interesting to see how they bounce back. I personally think they'll win. But, but all eyes are on that game. And, and just quickly, Phil, as well, um, Dean Henderson was very impressive against Luton. He made a very, mm-hmm. very impressive save um, as well.
0: Yeah, uh, we shall see on that, mate. Um, but uh, obviously, like I said, big game this weekend, mate, Brighton, and uh, very, very... Uh, one of those games where you get punished for individual mistakes. You can see, like, one individual mistake in the back four, you never know, get punished for it. Um one of those games, you know, they played well there when they went there towards the end of last season, as you were saying. Um, but um, it's a fixture. Uh, it seems silly to say this, but you never have to win it. Um, two defeats on the bounce, mate, in the league this early would be a catastrophe for United. And it would put such a dark cloud. See, this is another thing that the, that the, the recruitment team have managed to do. Uh, it's completely killed positivity and momentum from last season. You know they can't carry on into this season because even the players are complaining the squad's not good enough. It's totally unacceptable, mate. Um, very very disappointing. Um, Chris Smalling should have his future sorted. Looks like he will probably leave. Uh, and so um, I think come the end of the window, mate. What do I expect? I expect United will have probably someone like Tala has done. Uh, and an, and an, and another young player done. Um, if let's say it's Telles Van der Beek and a young, say a young right winger, I think that's an underwhelming window, mate. I do. I think that that you know when Susker asked for players that were better than what he has. If and this young, if if say needed send this young winger. I don't think he's better. Maybe he is. I don't know. I haven't seen enough of him um, than what we have. Fonda Big would be, and I suppose Telez would be better. But um, I think so. So, hoping for a Jaden Sancho type. Um, And I also agree that defensively, I think those are the most important signings you can make. Um, But... Uh, We shall see, mate. Obviously, taking into consideration the uh, financial loss from the uh, pandemic is very real thing. I know the Glazers are out there. Um, But still, it's a massive amount of money to be losing. And it will be interesting, mate, if this carries on more than a year, what will football look like if it doesn't get addressed? We shall see. Matt. I'm going to have to go and leave it there. Uh, Callum will be back again next week. Folks, listen, now that the season started, we will bring these shows back with much more regularity. I've got guests lined up. I've got uh, Bojan Yorich lined up. I've got a whole bunch of people lined up. Always great to have Bojan back. Uh, obviously, a lot of action-headed players. I'm talking to you it, uh, at the moment about bringing on some people from the football club. So, uh, we'll be loading back up again here with some jam-packed shows. So, looking forward to connecting with you all. Callum. Hasta go mate. All the best, mate. Take care. See you. Cheers, bye.